You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. On October 13th, 1991, one of the most promising lights in the Black community was extinguished on the streets of South Central Los Angeles. This was a light who shone so bright that to date, according to our research, he is the first and only person to take the SATs on a Saturday morning and receive his fully scored test results on a Sunday afternoon delivered by the postman. This is somebody whose import is so substantial to who we are and what we stand for as a community that he's simply known by one name. Ricky! This is Significant Moments in Black History with Dear Culture. Well, I think when you think about Ricky Baker, he is a tale, even if you don't know the story of Ricky Baker. We've all heard the story of someone like Ricky Baker who's, uh, you know, killed after their high school graduation at a convenience store trying to buy some hot Cheetos or somebody who was, you know, just hanging out at the mall and got in a wrong, uh, got in with the wrong crowd or... I'm still trying to find out! You know, Ricky Baker is the example of a cautionary tale that everyone has heard about. Um, there's always one star athlete who he could have been the one if only he hadn't been gunned down um, outside on the strip or if only he had stayed in the books or hadn't got involved with the wrong crowd. My name is Michael Harriet. I am a columnist at The Grio. I can remember going to the uh, guys in, in my neighborhood and, and breaking the news and how they poured out a little bit of their 40 for him. Um, at the time, St. Ides was the thing. And I, I imagine that St. Ides made a, a hefty profit from just the little bit of beer that was poured out. And people had to replace that by buying, of course, another 40 out. I am Monique Judge. I am a storyteller and a writer from Los Angeles, California. I knew Ricky because um, his girlfriend is my ex-boyfriend's cousin. I mean, he was well-known for football, but also because, you know, like, his brother was also really well-known, so... We got a problem here? We got a problem here? The two of them together, like, if you mention one, you mention the other kind of thing. I mean, you know they were brothers, and you knew that they cared about each other. But because they were so different, you know, Ricky was into football. He really was, like, focused on that. And um, Doughboy was in the game. You know what I'm saying? So they were at odds in that regard. Plus, like, I don't know if you know their mama, but she kind of, like, favored Ricky over Doughboy. I always knew you would amount to something. And I think that probably caused some tension, too. Because, like, Ricky was, like, her golden child, and Doughboy was just, like, you know, the screw-up. Why you hitting me? Yo, Dope, why she hit you? He went to jail, all that kind of stuff. So that, I feel like, added to it or whatever. But at the end of the day, 
that was Doughboy's brother, he was gonna be down for him no matter what. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, I mean, what's kind of unsaid here is that, like, we know that Doughboy and Ricky had different daddies. Like, I mean, you could just look at them and tell, because, like, Doughboy, why didn't Doughboy play any football? Why was he, like, the opposite of the athlete that Ricky was? I don't think that has anything to do with the father in the home. I think what this tale, you know, is about is sure like if, if if Ricky had a father in the home maybe Doughboy wouldn't have been a, a gangster. That's why food can get shot all the time. Trying to show how hard they are. Ignorant. And if Doughboy wouldn't have been a gangster maybe his brother wouldn't have got shot. But if you flip it around like what if 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 Doughboy and Ricky had a father in the home and Trey didn't. You have to think, young brother. First of all, his daddy wasn't having it. I don't know if you know his dad, but like Furious was not gonna let Trey be for the streets. You're my only son, and I'm not gonna lose you to no bullshit, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So as much as Trey wanted to hang out and be down with everybody, his daddy really had him like in the house doing his homework, getting good grades, making we used to like pass by and he'd be outside like mowing the lawn and raking up leaves and stuff because like his dad just put him on that you know what I'm saying then like when we got in high school he got his little job in the mall or whatever he thought he was doing something heard you like Mr. GQ smooth now when the news about Ricky first broke what I heard about it is the thing you hear about you know every time somebody black dies that it was gang related and of course that could mean any number of things if you Black in America, you know what gang-related means. That means the police don't know what happened, so they just said, probably the gangs, probably, you know, the other black dudes. What set you from? Look like one of them Crenshaw Mafia motherfuckers. So I think that was the first story that came out. And then, you know, because of that, all kinds of conspiracy theories, um, you know, rose up. Um, There are some people who say that Ricky was never killed, that he changed his name um, and, you know, started hanging out with a new group of friends. A lot of people say they saw him in the 90s at a wedding as the best man. Um, They say he changed his name and played for the New York Giants and hung out with those friends to this very day. Ignorant. So, um, you know, there's so many conspiracies because the first thing that we heard was gang-related. And we knew Ricky wasn't in no gang. Ricky was too smart for that. So the first initial news, I think, was just rumors. Where were you when you found out Ricky was shot and killed? Um, Allegedly by Ferris, though I'm not asking you to snitch if you actually know who shot him. But, you know, where were you when you found out Ricky Ricky was shot? So we found out that Sunday night on Crenshaw. Like, everybody, every Sunday, we all go out on Crenshaw, you know, riding up and down. And we were riding up and down Crenshaw um, that Sunday night. And people was asking, you know, um, where's Trey? Where's Ricky? Like, you know, where's everybody at? Because we all would, like, gather at the same spot and they weren't there. And then that's when someone came and told us, um that Ricky had been killed. Ricky! Coming back from the store or something. Ricky! But he got got in the alley. Ricky! And how did you feel when you heard that news that Ricky was shot? 
Man, when the news of Ricky getting killed hit the neighborhood, everybody was sad. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, here's this dude. We all grew up with him. We knew him. Like, you know, and like I said, he just, he was a, good, a cool dude. He never bothered anyone. He just mind his business and go to school, play football, and that's it. And, you know, when something like that happens, it's kind of like traumatic because you, then you start thinking about it could be you next. You know what I'm saying? And look, I'm not saying I know who did it. What am I supposed to do? Fool roll up, try to smoke me? I'm going to shoot the motherfucker if he don't kill me first. But what I'm saying is that person, you know, they, they just be out there anyway wilding the person that they said did it, right? Um, I'm not going to say their name, but, you know, and so you start thinking like something like that might can happen to you. Like, it's a lot of kids in our neighborhood, so don't nobody want to have to worry about some dude riding up and down the street shooting people. You know what I mean? Well, I think Ricky's death, if he died, symbolizes the fragility of of life in general, I think it is the the limitations and the ceilings uh, put upon us by circumstance, right? If if Ricky lived in the suburbs, who knows? He might not have been involved with a few that, you know, from news reports and from rumors, it seems that he really didn't have anything to do with. Um, and so I think it is... It is about circumstance. It is about the violence of black neighborhoods' existence in the first place. Um, the idea that we are herded into these, you know, metaphorical cages in neighborhoods. Um, and, you know, during that time, there was the gang life that was sprouting up around America. And one would hope that many people took away from that, that if you get involved in that kind of life, or even, you know, get associated with it on the periphery, then you could end up like Ricky. You could end up shouting, um, one of your friends shouting and crying in, in an alley over your dead body. You could end up with him punching at the air while his girlfriend comforts him. I feel like Ricky dying... Um, had an impact on black America because he was like a symbol of promise. You know what I'm saying? Like that boy was really probably going to do something in the NFL, in the world. You know, again, he had a son and that, that baby grew up without knowing, you know, his daddy because he was just a little baby when Ricky died. And um, I think that it, it just makes us think about how precious life is and how we need to, you know, be careful the things that we do, the places that we go, the people that we hang around, because you never know what can be waiting for you around the corner. I think about um, Ricky when I see a football game and wonder, like, what if that team, what could that team have been if Ricky would have been playing for it? Catch! Sorry. You know, I think about Ricky when I don't know if you've heard, but um, you know, his from from the reports that I've seen and you know the word of mouth on the street is that Doughboy eventually moved to Chicago, opened a very successful barbershop, 
um, you know, after spending a while, just kind of, you know, they said there was a period when he just hung out with a guy named Smokey, um, smoking weed all day, and then he got fired with, uh, on his day off. Damn! Got his life together and uh, went to barber school. And you have to think, like, you know, there were reports... Um, because, you know, there are black reporters in, in black media who, you know, kept up with Ricky's family. And I remember when there was a report about uh, Doughboy in danger of losing his barbershop. And you wonder if Ricky had made it to the league, would Doughboy have been in that kind of financial distress? So I think there, there are many things that make me think of, of Ricky Baker, of his circumstance, of the fragility of black life in the ghetto. You know, Doughboy died two weeks after Ricky, too. He was murdered in the streets two weeks after Ricky. Well, I heard that they say they say Doughboy died two weeks after Ricky, but again, right, like, we really don't know. They'll tell you anything, right? Because, I mean, I, I, I've seen those pictures of that dude that bar- at that barbershop, and he looks a lot like Doughboy. Who knows, right? Like, maybe those killers were arrested and Doughboy and Ricky were in witness protection. You know, you never know, because um, a lot of people say that COINTELPRO had a lot to do with Ricky's death to prevent the rise of a, of a black running back messiah. So, you know, it's really hard to talk about this without acknowledging that a lot of what we heard may not be true about Ricky, you know, every time I pass by their house or I pass by Crenshaw High, I think about it. And I also think about him every time I'm writing down Crenshaw because, again, that was just like when we were young, that was like the gathering spot. You know, they don't even let people drive up and down Crenshaw like that anymore. If the police see you pass by the same spot more than twice in 30 minutes, they'll pull you over. So Um, We can't even do that anymore. So it's like his memory is kind of tied to those memories of being out there on the block and just having fun, listening to music, drinking, chilling with everybody and stuff. I think ultimately when I tell young people or tell, you know, my children about the story of Ricky Baker, I tell them about a guy who worked hard, who had a promising future, um, who was held down not by uh, financial problems or his neighborhood, but by his family. And I think that uh, it is a cautionary tale about how we must all lift each other up, right? If you're going to be a gangster, that's your personal choice, but you have a responsibility to protect literally your brother from harm. You have to send him home. And I also think um, it is about the the need to understand your circumstances. I think we should teach little kids that if somebody um, shoots at you, you know, you have to run in a serpentine fashion. And I don't know if that would have saved Ricky's life because of course it was an alley and if you know anything about double bar- that was a Winchester 500 um, shotgun double barreled that Ricky was shot with which is a smooth bore shotgun so when you shoot buckshots they spread out so you know I- I've heard people say that he should have run in a serpentine fashion 
we don't, you know, he probably would have been hit anyway. But, um, you know, when you look at the logistics of what happened to him, it wasn't the stopping to pee that doomed him. It wasn't being affiliated with a brother. I think maybe it was about splitting up. And see, that's a metaphor for life, right? When Ricky and Trey split up, that's what do everybody knows, especially if you're black, that you don't split up. Harriet Tubman taught us that like 200 years ago. Never split up. Splitting up metaphorically and in the case of Ricky Baker, literally will doom you. You are your brother's keeper. Never split up. If you could say something to Ricky right now, what would you say to him? Ricky, you shouldn't have never got that girl pregnant. You knew I had a crush on you. You should have got with me instead, but that's okay. Because what's done is done, and now you're not here, and um, I miss you. I hope you're resting well. (laughs) Why you making me laugh, man? Because that's not where I saw that going. (laughs) So I wasn't prepared. That was awesome. Next week on Dear Cultures, Truish Black Stories. When you think of sheer artistry, sheer creativity, um, the ability for someone to bring Black people together in the most fundamental ways. It's, you know, I would say, of my four, Randy Watson's my number one. 